Well, good morning, New Life Church, and I can truly call it a good morning. You know why? Death has been defeated, the tomb is empty, and Jesus is alive. Amen? He's alive. It's what we're here to celebrate. Why don't you look someone in the eye and say, Jesus is alive. Church, this is a one moment greater than any other moment in the history of the world. This is one moment that changed humanity, it changed history, and we are here to celebrate that the resurrection isn't done. Did you know that? It's not done. In fact, the Bible tells us that that same resurrection power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, guess where it is now? It's in you. That same, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in me. In fact, we, we're, we're told that because we are in Jesus, and Jesus defeated death, and He resurrected from the death, we're told that now you and I will also have a resurrection. Every single one of us who are in Christ will one day have our own resurrection. How awesome is that? So we're here not just to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, but we're here to celebrate that because of the resurrection of Jesus, we get a resurrection. Look at someone and say, I get a resurrection. I want to show you where Jesus teaches us in John 6. He says this from verse 39. And this is the will of whom he sent me, Jesus said, that I shall lose none of those that he's given me, but raise them up. Everyone say, raise them up. Raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up. Everyone say, raise them up. I'm going to raise them up on that last day. Everyone who belongs to Christ, I will raise up. Here's the deal. All of us will have a last day on earth. And if you have a last day on earth before the return of Christ, then possibly your body is either going to be burnt to ash or it's going to be put and buried in the ground. And if it's buried in the ground, it's going to start to decay and it's going to turn to dust. Either way, it's not going to look so good. Some of you, you're not so happy with how you look today. Let me tell you, it's going to get worse. Look at someone and say, you're going to look far worse. You're going to look far worse, church, than you look right now. I guarantee it. You see, when we die, our bodies stay behind. But the Bible says to be absent from the body means I am present with the Lord. So when I die, I leave my body behind. But in spirit, I am present with God in heaven. I'm present without my body. But then it tells us in 1 Thessalonians 4 that there will be a day where the dead in Christ rise first where they are caught up with Jesus in the sky, in the heavens. Every single believer will have their own resurrection. That's why I've told my family already, like, hey, I want to be buried. I've, I've got nothing, by the way, against cremation. I just want to be one of those people, like in the movies, where my hand comes to the ground. <laughs> um, like, I ain't dead yet. Like, I want to crawl out the grave and say, death has been defeated, and I am resurrected. One day, we're going to get our own glorified bodies. We are going to be resurrected because of this day. Because today, death was defeated. We're going to have glorified bodies. I can't wait for that day. In fact, when Jesus is teaching this in John 6, it's part of a greater teaching. And today, we're going to just kind of like sit in John 6 and look at this teaching 
Why did this come up in conversation with Jesus? What was he teaching about? In fact, we're going to see that this teaching in John 6 is about a much larger teaching where Jesus actually teaches about bread. Now, are there any bread lovers in the room? Yeah, I feel your pain. I, too, am a bread lover. In fact, I love bread so much that I've tried to give it up for the last two weeks because I realize I'm just eating too much of the stuff. There is nothing like the smell of freshly baked bread. Come on, who knows it? That's a beautiful smell. Oh, I know I'm just making you hungry, but Easter lunch is coming, okay? You know, here's the truth about our time on earth. It's full of great pleasures and things that satisfy us, isn't it? In our time on earth, there's great smells and great tastes and great experiences, things that smell good and taste good and feel good. There's just one problem, and it frustrates us to no end. The problem with all these things on this earth that smell good and taste good and feel good, you know what the big problem is? They don't last long. These moments are fleeting. Like there's nothing that satisfies that loss. There's nothing that tastes good that lasts. There's nothing that feels good that lasts. There's nothing that smells good that lasts. And so what we end up doing as human beings is we live from one experience to the next, just looking for the next thing that can just feel good because nothing good lasts on this earth. No matter how great that bread smells, no matter how good the sex is, no matter how wonderful the new car smell is, no matter how accomplished we feel with our new job, no matter how great we feel with our promotion, it all fades, no matter how many goosebumps and butterflies you have for that feeling of just being in love, it doesn't last. Nothing good lasts. Nothing that feels great loss. And so we end up just, we're trying to escape the pain of life. Because life, it just has plenty of pain and discomfort and inconvenience and conflict and struggle. And so what we're looking for, we're just looking for that next, the next fix, right? The, the thrill of a gamble, the bottom of a bottle. We're looking for the lust of our eyes. We're just looking for something. Like if I could just satisfy, just get the next high and we end up, Living from experience to experience, just trying to find an escape in this world. But here's the good news that some of you came to hear today. Jesus has an answer to this problem. Jesus has an answer to our deep spiritual longing, our hunger, this appetite of never being satisfied. Jesus has an answer to that problem. Look at someone and say, Jesus has an answer. And in fact, here in John 6, as he speaks about bread, he tells us the answer. And he points to something in the Old Testament. In fact, he points to an Easter egg, a biblical Easter egg, a biblical clue. Something that happens in the Old Testament that we're going to learn today was actually all about Jesus. And so let me set the setting in John 6. If you read the beginning of John 6, what you're going to find is Jesus performs an incredible miracle where he feeds um, 5,000 men, we assume about 15 to 20,000 people because they only counted the men, not the women and children. So this great miracle of provision and multiplication, he feeds 15 to 20,000 people. The next day, 
Some of these people he fed come looking for Jesus. Now, as you're reading this, you start to think, well, this is good. They're looking for Jesus. What can be wrong with that? Like these people, are, they're, they're seeking out Jesus. They want to follow Jesus. They want more of Jesus. Like what could be wrong with that? Right? Could that ever be a bad thing? And yet, as they seek out Jesus, what we find is that Jesus is not impressed that they're seeking him out. He's not impressed that they're looking for him. And let's find out why in the book of John chapter 6. And let's read from verse 25. It says, when they found Jesus on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, you were looking for me, listen to this, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. Jesus is like, I, I know why you're looking for me and it's not, it's not for me. They weren't looking for Jesus. They were looking for their next free meal. They were looking for him because they had had their fill. They had had their fix. And I can kind of imagine how this happened. They woke up the next day. And as they woke up, oh, they felt hungry. They're like, what's going to be for breakfast today? Oh, you know what was great? That food. That food that we had yesterday with Jesus. Oh, it was divine. It was heavenly. It tasted so good. I wonder if I can get more of that. Yeah, let me go find Jesus. And so they go find Jesus, not for Jesus, but they go find Jesus for what he can give them. And church, there is a warning for all of us here. Because all of us will have physical needs. You might have a need for food, for employment, for clothing, for family, for relationship, for healing. But it doesn't impress God when we come to Him only because of our need. When we pursue His provision more than we pursue His presence. When we are more invested in the gifts He can give us than we are in the giver Himself. It's exactly what happens here, and it can often happen in the place where we experienced a miracle before. For some of you in your life before, you've experienced the miracle of God in this area of your life. You've experienced the miracle of food or provision or employment. You've experienced the miracle of healing. And so when you've already seen that God can, that He's able to do this in your life, it's very tempting to come to God with that need and say, God, you've done it before, and now we can make our entire relationship with Him just about that need, where we almost treat God like a glorified Santa Claus, where we elevate His giftings, the things He can do for us, where we elevate that above His presence and just being with Him. And whenever we come to God with that kind of hard attitude, it doesn't impress God. It didn't impress God here. In fact, I love how Jesus just calls their bluff. He just says it like it is. He doesn't try to sugarcoat it or say it in a nice way. He's just like, yo, you only want me for the food. Like, let's just get clear. Like, I know your heart. The only reason you're here. And for some of you, you've got to ask your question, why are you here? Why are you here today? Why are you following Jesus? Why are you seeking him out? Because I would hope that we challenge by John 6 to say, I want to seek Jesus just for Jesus, not for what Jesus can give to me not for what He can do for me. Yes, there are beautiful blessings and bonuses that come, but my, my, my relationship with Him is not about that. It's not for that. We have to remember that God is the one who gives, but He's also the one who 
takes away. And our love for Him has got to be consistent in the seasons of the giving and in the seasons of the taking away. Our love for Him cannot be affected because we are not in this relationship for the gifts. We are here for His presence, not His provision. And so as Jesus is talking to them, we really see how far gone these disciples were. Because I want to fast forward to the end of the story. I want to tell you what happens at the end. At the end of the story, Jesus does not give them what they want. He doesn't give them another free meal. And because of this, listen to this in John 6, 66. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Have you ever felt like you want to leave God because you're not getting what you want from him? That's what's going to happen when you elevate your needs over his presence. It puts your entire faith at risk. You, you have the potential to shipwreck your belief if you are in this for what you can get rather just to be in this because Jesus is incredible and he's worthy of your affection. He's worthy of your love and devotion. And so these disciples come and say, hey, we experienced a miracle yesterday. Can we experience it again today? But Jesus calls their bluff. Let's continue with the story. Let's read again from verse 26. It says, Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves of bread and you had your fill. He says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Jesus is saying there's two different types of work you can do on this earth. The one type of work is that you can work for food that spoils. And let's just, like, we all know about that. We all know food that spoils. We've all had the moldy bread in the kitchen and the sour milk in the fridge and the rotten fruit. Right? Just last week in my house, someone found a, uh, a lunchbox. And uh, I don't even know what was in there. Like, and I have no clue how long it was there for. All I know is that if we had waited one more week, it would have walked itself to the dustbin. And thrown, I mean, they opened that lunchbox. I tell you, the stink and the fluff and the hair, oh, we know food that spoils. But you know what Jesus is saying is that you can put all of your effort and passion into that. You can make your whole life about the pursuit of stuff. You can make your whole life about the pursuit of what food can I buy? What clothes can I wear? What house can I live in? Oh man, my career is going so well and I have this promotion and it's all about the stuff and Jesus is reminding you all of it's going to fade. All of it will be given to decay and rot. All of it will spoil. There's nothing you can buy in this world that will not rot. And so you're giving your whole life and all your focus and all your passion and all your energy to something that will rot. You can work for a food that will spoil and rot. Or, he says, you can work for a food that is eternal. Now, who wants to add that to their shopping cart? Like, that sounds great. Give me the food that doesn't rot. Give me the food that is eternal. And you might be thinking, well, how do I get that food? Well, if you're thinking that, you're exactly on par with the disciples. That's literally what they asked Jesus. In verse 28, they said, then they asked what must we do to do this work that God requires? Jesus had just told them, don't work for food that spoils work 
for this eternal food. They're like, okay, so what work must we do? You see, their only frame of reference was that in order to get something from God, I have to work. Like their only frame, their only programming in their entire faith experience was that if I want to get salvation, I have to earn that. If I want God's love, I've got to earn that. So they come to Jesus and say, well, Jesus, how do I earn that? How do I get that? What must I do? And Jesus' reply, he reminds him, in fact, that in verse 27, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will what, church? He will give you. Look at someone and say, he's going to give it to you. It's, in fact, this food that he's telling us to work for that lasts forever is actually going to be a gift. It's a gift. A free gift. How many of you know you don't, you don't earn a gift? You don't work hard for your birthday present. Right? It's given to you freely. He's saying, hey, this fruit that is eternal, this food that is eternal, I want to just, I want to give it to you. And so Jesus answers the question about what they should do in verse 29. He says, Jesus answered, the work of God is this. Are you ready to hear what work you have to do? You're ready to do what, to hear what you've got to bring to the table? Here's the work you have to do. This is it. To believe in the one he has sent. This is your work. Just to believe. In other words, there's two categories you can find yourselves in right now today. On the one hand, it must be about this doing something. I've got to do something to earn salvation. I've got to do something for God to love me. And, and a lot of people find themselves in this category. They believe they've got to earn this love of God. And so they try and earn it through good works. You know, like maybe if I... Maybe if I come to church enough times and read the Bible enough times and pray enough times and do communion enough times and get baptized, maybe then at the end of my life, God will look at me and say, you're a good person and hopefully it all works out and I get into heaven. But really that entire logic is flawed. Let me, let me say this. If you believe that your good works can save you, then the follow-up question has to be, Whose standard of goodness will save you? Like, who's going to set the bar? Who's going to say, okay, you're good enough, you're not good enough, you're good enough. Like, whose standard are we using? Are we using your standard and understanding of goodness? Are we using the guy down the road who's drunk right now under the table? Are we going to use his standard of goodness? Because his standard of goodness might not be your standard of goodness. Are we going to use God's standard of goodness? Because then we're in trouble. Like, if, we, if we're going to earn our salvation by being good, well, whose standard of goodness are we going to live by? Because the last time I checked, the only one who could tell us what is truly good is the one, and the only one who is good. The one who invented goodness, the one who created the world, the one who created mor morality. And here's what he tells you, that in order for you to receive his goodness, here's what you have to do, believe. It turns out salvation is not about doing something, it is about believing someone. Not doing something, but believing someone. Believing in the resurrected one. Believing in the Holy One. Believing in Jesus Christ. And so Jesus goes on to say in verse 30, they come to Him and they ask Him, What sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? And I find it so weird. 
that they're coming to Jesus. This is just after the multiplication miracle. He's fed like 20,000 people. And they're like, so Jesus, what sign are you going to give? Can you see they're just so spiritually blind to the truth? They just cannot see. Like, he just did this. Like, yesterday, you're asking what sign he's going to do? But we kind of started to get to see their heart a little bit more in the next verse. They say to Jesus, our ancestors, while they ate, man- they ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And now we kind of see what they're getting at. Let me remind you what manna is. When Moses was leading the Israelites through the desert, this is how God fed and sustained the nation of Israel. Every morning, they would wake up, there would be fresh manna. It was edible. It was like bread on, on the ground that they could pick up. It would last for the day. It would be enough to feed them. And I think this manna must have been incredible. I'm sure they came up after 40 years with all these great ways. They could probably you know, bake it and fry it and cook it. They probably had like manna soufflés and, and manna ronis and banana bread. They must have had banana bread, right? You, this is what they ate. And so what they're actually saying to Jesus, if I had to kind of paraphrase it, they're like, Jesus, uh, Moses fed people every day for 40 years in the desert, but you only gave us one meal. Ooh. Do you see how they are minimizing the miracle of Jesus? They, they're minimizing what Jesus did. And so Jesus, in the way Jesus does, he sets them right in verse 32. Jesus said, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven. He reminds him, by the way, that Moses had nothing to do with the miracle of manna in the desert. In fact, Moses himself was just a spectator. That manna did not come from Moses. It came from God. Moses just witnessed it happening. It is my Father, Jesus says, who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Church, who's the one who's come down from heaven and given life to the world? In verse 34, they say, Sir, always give us this bread. Church, this is when we learn and we start to see that actually the manna in the desert with the Israelites was just a symbol. It was an Easter egg in the Old Testament, and it was pointing this whole time to Jesus. That was God was saying, there will be a time, there will be a one who comes, the bread from heaven, your daily bread, he will be the one who comes and feeds you and sustains you and satisfies you. That there will be a time that there will be a bread given to my people, a bread that does not rot, a bread that satisfies, it does not run out, a bread given to you every single day. Jesus is the true manna from heaven. He is the true bread of life. In fact, Jesus himself declares this. One of the great I am statements, there's seven of these in the book of John. In John 6, 35, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He says, whoever comes to me will never go hungry, church. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus is the true manna, and he teaches us that spiritual nutrition is not a program. Spiritual nutrition is not a loaf of bread. Spiritual nutrition is not a religious habit. Spiritual nutrition is a person, a living being, and his name is Jesus. And if you and I would eat from the bread of life, you know what starts to disappear? The hunger and need for this world. 
all these fleeting things that come and go. The need for satisfaction can be met by Jesus Christ alone. When we eat from Him, when He becomes our daily bread, we hunger no more, we thirst no more for the things of this world. Jesus wants to change our diet. Spiritual nutrition comes from Him. He's saying, hey, don't, when, when you are hungry, when you have a need, don't aim low, don't aim for this world, aim high, aim up. C.S. Lewis, who has a great way with words, he says like this, aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in, or aim at earth and you'll get nothing. <laughs> or Jesus, who had a better way with words, seek you first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. Jesus is the manna from heaven, and he wants us every single day to find our satisfaction, to find our hunger met by him. And then Jesus goes on to explain exactly how you and I have come into the faith. It's fascinating. Hear this in verse 44. Jesus says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up on the last day. Again, a promise. If you haven't heard it the first two times, get it this third time. He says, it's written in the prophets that they will be taught by God, and everyone who has heard the Father and learned from Him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only He has seen the Father. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I'm the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, yet they died. And I love actually in this passage, Jesus says that twice. He's like, hey. That manna you're boasting about, everyone who ate that died. But here, he says, is a bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I gave for the life of the world. Jesus is explaining how it is that you and I come to become Christians. And it turns out the only way you can become a Christian is if the Father has already called you and chosen you. If you were a Christian, you were predestined to become a Christian. And he says, this gets activated by the preaching of God's Word. In other words, and I believe this is prophetically even speaking over this crowd today. There comes a time where we sit under the Word of God. And it's like a switch goes off in our minds, and we realize this is a truth. Like what I'm listening to is a truth. Suddenly it makes sense to you, and, and if that happens to you, it doesn't happen to you because you're so smart, and you finally figured it out. No, no, no. The only way you and I can in our spirits realize that Jesus is the King of kings, the only way this ever happens is because the Holy Spirit enlightens us because we have been chosen by God to be part of His family. And he's saying, as you hear about me, as you hear about this bread of life, some of you today, as you're hearing about the bread of life, you are realizing that Jesus is the way, that he is Lord of all. The Holy Spirit is doing exactly this. He's enlightening you to the truth. And so Jesus says in verse 47 there, I don't know if you caught it, he says, very truly I tell you, the one who believes in me has Eternal life. I think this is the most significant spirit. This is the most significant scripture in all of the Bible regarding our salvation. The one who believes in me has, not might have, not someday, hopefully, could have. No, no, no. 
If you believe in me, you have. It's guaranteed. If you believe in me, you have eternal life. For everyone in this room, if you believe in Jesus Christ as Lord of all, guess what you have? Eternal life. You have eaten from the bread that does not die, and you have now been given the resurrection power that was in Jesus Christ. You will not die. If you believe in me, how do we receive it? We, we receive it by believing in Jesus Christ. We have a guarantee to eternal life. The bread of life is a person. His name is Jesus. And he wants to satisfy you. He wants to quench all the hunger you have in this world. He says in verse 58, This is a bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Can you imagine finding a bread that satisfies you, that tastes good, and is fat-free? We have it. We have it in Jesus. Here's what Jesus is saying. It's that life comes through death. Life, eternal life comes to us through death. And Jesus was the one who was prepared to die. He was prepared to lay his life down so that you and I can now have life. We can eat from the bread that doesn't rot. Jesus can lead you to eternal life because he's defeated death. In fact, in 2 Timothy 1 verse 10, it says, He broke the power of death. The power of death has been broken. He illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. Jesus Christ has defeated death. He's a true manna from heaven. That manna in the Old Testament was pointing this whole time to the one who would be the bread of life, the one from heaven sent to give us life and satisfy every craving we have. So I want to say to you, I don't know what you're eating. I don't know what spiritual diet you want. I don't know what you're looking for, what next experience you're looking for, but Jesus is the bread. He's the only one who can truly satisfy. He's the only one you really need. In fact, I want you to think about your life and your spirituality for a second now. Can I ask you to close your eyes? You know, in moments like this, it's very easy to think about someone else, especially people that you care about. It's easy to think about your spouse or your kids or your friends. But in this moment, I want you to think about yourself. I want you to ask yourself this question. How are you getting your needs met? What do you do for satisfaction? Are you satisfied in the presence of God? Are you satisfied in daily spending time in His Word? Are you satisfied in prayer? Are you satisfied in worship? Is that what satisfies your soul? Or, or perhaps you're only satisfied when God does what you want and gives you what you need and gives you the answer and gives you the miracle you're hoping for. Maybe as you're looking at your life, you're realizing all your deepest needs are currently being satisfied by this world. Like every deep need you have, like you're looking to have it met through TikTok and Korea and sex and money and porn and family and popularity and alcohol and gambling and entertainment. I mean, it's just, the list is endless. But church, Jesus wants to give you an eternal bread that makes you hunger no more that makes you thirst no more. He wants to change some spiritual diets today in the room. He wants you to feed of Him your daily bread. 
And I promise you that as you feed off Jesus every day, your appetite for the things of this world starts to fade. You no longer have to live from experience to experience looking for the next escape, looking for the next high, the next fix, the next thing that's going to make you feel great. No, no, no. What you really need is a bread of life. What you really need is Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you to change your spiritual diet. Because spiritual nutrition is not a program, it's not a religion, it's a person. It's Jesus. In fact, perhaps while you're sitting there, you want to pray a prayer like this, just quietly to yourself. Maybe you want to pray and say, Jesus, change my appetite. God, I don't want to hunger for things of this world. I don't want to pursue this world to satisfy me. God, I only want to be satisfied in you. May you take away my hunger for everything that's not of you. May you be the one who satisfies my thirst, my longings, my needs. Jesus, thank you that today you're changing diets. And for everyone who's been reliant on that alcohol, that lust, or that friendship, or that job, that money, God, just change diets today. You are the bread of life. With you, we hunger and thirst no more. With every eye closed, I want to speak to some of you in the room who I believe God's calling to join His family. Maybe you've been listening today and the Holy Spirit, you might not even know who that is or, or, or what He's doing, but you know that Jesus is the way. Like you've come to the realization that Jesus is the King and, and you want to give your life to Him. You want to join the family of God. You want to become a Christian. And if that's something you've not done before and something you want to do right now, do today, while you heard that all it takes is belief in Jesus. And so I want to pray. I want to lead you through a prayer where you declare that you believe in Jesus. And just so I know who I'm praying with, that that's you. If you want to join the family of God, if you want to become a Christian, just put up your hand and put it down so I know who I'm praying with. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Hands back there. Thank you. Beautiful, beautiful to see who God's adding to the family today. We're going to pray that prayer of belief right now. And just so those who are praying for the first time don't feel alone, let's join them together as their future brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's show some support. Let's pray this. Dear God, thank you for choosing me to become part of your family. Jesus Christ, I believe in you. I believe you are the Son of God, that you lived and died and rose again. And so today, I declare you're Lord of my life. I give you my life. I'm so sorry, Lord, for the way I've lived apart from you. For all my sin, I ask for forgiveness. And I thank you that by faith, today I'm made clean. My sins are washed away. The old is gone and the new has come. And you are making me a new creation. Right now, in Jesus' name, I thank you for adding me to the family. In the name of Jesus, I pray. 
Amen. Can we just praise God for those who joined the family today? So good to see. Beautiful. Beautiful. And I want to say to you guys, if you prayed the prayer for the first time, we don't want to leave you empty-handed. In fact, as you leave today, you'll see at the door people standing with salvation packs, like a flyer. Please take one. And please, what we need you to do is on that flyer, there's a tear-off slip. Please uh, write your details on that slip, tear it off, hand that the information there. Because part of the reason God has put church on earth is that you're not meant to do this alone. You're meant to do this with brothers and sisters in Christ. We want to partner with you. We want to reach out to you, see how it's going, see if we can help in any way, see if we can give you any advice or guidance, but don't do it alone. And welcome to the family. You have made, by the way, the best decision in your entire life. The only one you had to get right was this one, and today you got it right, so give yourselves a hand. Beautiful to see. And I want to say to our friends on Faith TV or on Rising Sun TV or those listening right now on Radio Crushbone, I know you can't walk out with a flyer, but we've got you covered. Just go to our website, nlchurch.coza, and on that homepage, there's a button that says Salvation. Just click on that button, and all those same resources are there for you guys. So uh, yeah, we want to partner with you guys as well.